often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 557. I am your host, Josh Albrecht, recording again once inside the Slapbox Penthouse. My trusty sidekick, Agent Mulder, is passed out on the couch behind me, which he is really riddled with holes with his claws. And the one paw. Because, <laughs> of course, he's missing one leg in front. Ah, <laughs> uh, love that fella. Love you so much, there, Agent Mulder. He's, uh, he he's been fed, so hopefully, hopefully he won't be freaking out soon. As uh, <laughs> it seems to be a common occurrence when I start recording. Ah, uh, yes, it's been it's been an interesting week. <laughs> uh, recap on the guitar, though, is now uh, the uh, Epiphone Riviera. Noel Gallagher signature that I, I recently got. Uh, I've been playing it, you know, every day. And, uh, man, it's definitely, uh, I enjoy having a big semi-hollow guitar, like the bigger guitar with the double cutaway where you can easily hit the uh, higher frets. And uh, it's not like any of my other guitars. It's a different feel, and there's like many things that now you know I can play, and just, it sounds so much better on. And like I've started the last couple of days playing some Foo, some Foo Fighters. That is, because uh, of course Dave Grohl has been known to play uh, semi hollow. Uh, I believe it's semi hollow. It's either semi or full hollow. I want to say his semi. It's he originally. I think he might have done a ES-335 like early on in the Foo Fighters career. Um, he had a few different guitars like early on. And then he went with like the Trini Lopez, which is a signature Gibson. And uh, then, of course, he like did his own signature basically of a Trini Lopez, which is that guitar you see with the diamond-shaped uh, uh, holes on it. That uh, he plays all the time now, as uh, he's got. Uh, oh man, they they've done some runs of the that guitar. That is one I won't be getting. Is the Dave Grohl signature? Uh, but uh, holy shit, man! Oh man, I didn't realize D- Trini Lopez died of uh, the COVID. I did. I did not realize that. I don't really know a whole lot about Tr- Trini Lopez. I basically only know of Trini Lopez because of Dave Grohl <laughs> playing the guitar. Um, as the diamond-shaped holes is what really sets that apart. I, I'm trying to see if that is a semi or full hollow body. Uh, God damn. You can get fun fact though, if you get the Trini Lopez, it's much cheaper than the Dave Grohl. <laughs> it's like sixty five hundred. Uh as opposed to like the Dave Grohl, which they don't make the Dave Grohls right now. It was a limited run sort of situation. And I think the cheapest I've seen them on like uh reverb is like thirteen grand. <laughs> they go upwards as like twenty four thousand too. I mean, it's fucking insane. 
Um, man, I do love that though. Oh, just looking at the, just the Trini Lopez. I prefer to have the Dave Grohl though. I don't like the bridge on the Trini Lopez. I like the uh, diamond. I guess is what you would call that inlays. I don't know what's going on there. The the inlays are definitely it is a unique guitar. It is a unique guitar. Uh, I don't. Oh yeah, it is a semi hollow because there's a. The center block is a solid maple. That's okay. It's a body shape of an ES three thirty five, and then it's just got like those diamond shape holes in it. And uh, man, it's a it's a fucking awesome guitar. But uh, I can get a lot of the the tones that Dave Grohl gets with this uh, Epiphone Riviera here, and it's fun to play. Man, there is like uh, I I already kind of knew how to play a few uh, Foo Fighter songs, but uh, playing like My Hero and such on there, and I started learning a little bit of the Pretender, which is I gotta say, I mean, I don't know every Foo Fighter song they've released. They're about to release their eleventh album. And they haven't really said who's drumming on the album. Um, could be Josh Freeze, could be Matt Cameron. Um, people are saying it doesn't sound like Dave Grohl because they have released the one song, Rescued, I think is the uh, Rescue or Rescued, something of that. But they haven't said who's uh, on the recording. I know for touring, it sounds like in this current tour, they're going to have at least a couple different drummers, like Matt Cameron, of uh, formerly of Soundgarden, and uh, drummed with uh, Pearl Jam as well. I guess more recently he's been with Pearl Jam. Um, which he says he's not joined the Foo Fighters, but he will be, I guess, touring with them. And then there's like uh, at least one other drummer, I forgot, forgotten his name, that will definitely be on the tour with them. Uh. And Josh Free, I know Josh Freeze. People have rumored that uh, he'll he'll be replacing him. That maybe he's actually on the album. He's been with uh, another guy that's uh, been quite the journeyman as uh, he's played with all kinds of bands from like a Perfect Circle to I don't know. Th- there's been a lot of bands that Josh Freeze has played with. And of course, he was at the uh, Taylor Hawkins uh, tribute concert. Well, I guess he was at both of them, the concerts, because there was the one in London and then the one in L.A., and I do believe Josh Freeze was at both of those. I can't remember if Matt Cameron was there or not. He might have. He probably was. I know Danny Carey was there with and played with Rush. Danny Carey of Tool, that is. If, you, if you're unfamiliar. <laughs> but, oh, man, the, the Pretender... It's a fun one to play. It's hard. Like I like the opening part is the part I've <laughs> been trying to work on like playing playing stuff like that kind of fucks with me like the weird picking. Uh well I mean just I don't know. I I've, I've never when I do stuff like that on guitar, for some reason, like that's some of the harder stuff for me to remember more of, and uh, like getting my fingers just right, uh, holding the chord while picking a string at a time, <laughs> and, and whatnot. Um, that being said, like, oh man, I can. 
some of these so I've been learning a lot more solos lately and I can nail those pretty easy but then doing shit like that it was like oh this is like also like pretenders also makes me think of the uh the killer song Mr. Brightside which I fucking love that song that's a a bit of a difficult one to to play the opening to that like there's this the chord structure kind of fucks with me and like holding that chord structure or picking one string at a time shit just uh is a is is, is a little difficult for me it's it's weird <laughs> you know the stuff that i think when somebody that doesn't know how to play that's never played or whatever uh here probably thinks that oh well that doesn't sound that that difficult uh maybe it's not for most people but for me <laughs> uh for me it, it's difficult um <laughs> i guess that's considered an arpeggio i guess when you're playing like that um but uh that uh <clears throat> That's always been a little tricky for me, depending on, like, the chord shape. The chord structure is, like, what kind of fucks me up about it. Like, the picking part, <laughs> ascending, descending, picking, uh, you can do that. But if I have to hold some weird chord shape, that's where it gets a little tricky. <laughs> and I fret the strings out kind of funky. And uh, then I have a hard time memorizing, like, uh, some of the chord changes and shit in there and because you just lift the, a finger, you know, for, you know, a note or two, and then, I don't know. For whatever reason, that's always been a little challenging for me. Um, But, uh, man, it's like the that whole song is just, you know, it's quite the, quite the rocker. As, uh, <laughs> I I can play some of it, of course, but, uh, and just the the strumming parts. And there's three guitar parts. I mean, you got Chris Shiflitz, Pat Smear, and Dave Grohl playing guitar on there. And uh, I believe all three parts are pretty unique. There's a couple of parts, I think, with, like, when they're playing octaves, that at least Shiflitz and Smear are just basically playing the same parts together and creating almost a harmonizing effect, I guess, with the guitars. But there's, you know, three guitar, very distinct guitars going on in that song. And uh, the it it's it's busy, <laughs> it's a busy song. But man, it's and it's not really my favorite Foo Fighters song. But I think guitar. Speaking of like guitars and unique guitar playing, like shit. I mean that. I'm ho- I hope I really get that one down because it just seems really fun to play, and uh, it's got some high energy to it. Uh. <clears throat> I don't know that I really have a favorite Foo Fighters song. I mean, that's they've got some good ones. I mean, Everlong, I mean, Off the Color and Shape, which is, you know, my I can say my two favorite albums are The Color and Shape, which is their second album, which of course if you know any of the history of the Foo Fighters, um the first album is like all Dave Grohl, I think there might be like a bass part or something in one of the songs that's not Dave Grohl, but Dave Grohl is playing every fucking instrument on the Foo Fighters' first album. And uh, it's all him. And then he hired a band to tour with, and uh, which several of the members are still a part of. Like I think Shiflitz was original member 
um, the bass player. I don't remember all the the uh, the guys' names in, in the uh, Foo Fighters, at least the the OGs. Um, but uh, I know the bass player and the original drummer that he got were like uh, in another band, and he brought them to those two in together. And when he went on to record the color and the shape. Which has got Monkey Wrench, uh, My Hero. It's, it's a lot of the big songs came off the color and the shape. You know, it's crazy because it's you know, the second album they put out. <laughs> As they're going on to release their eleventh. Um, but uh, they were were recording all the parts, and the the original drummer he hired recorded, I believe, like all the tracks. And Grohl was just not happy with the drum. He hated the way the the drum sounded, which, you know, the guy was in <laughs> previously before the Foo Fighters, the, uh, you know, the biggest rock band of the time, Nirvana. And uh, is uh, one of the most well-known rock drummers out there. And, uh, of course, uh he basically went uh, he went back and re-recorded all the drum parts put his own stuff in there so the second album you also get Grohl on the drums and I guess I don't think it was too much longer after that that he just went ahead and fired the drummer and then that's when Taylor Hawkins was brought in as he was uh, touring with Alanis Morissette he was uh, not on any of Alanis' albums but he he toured for quite a while with Alanis Morissette during I guess the Jagged Little Pill Tour and uh, and yeah, so uh, color and the shape. I don't know. It's my favorite. I think that maybe I think it was two thousand nine when Wasting Light came out. Um, by that point, uh, Pat Smear was uh with the band, of course, and Chris Novoselic of uh, Nirvana actually was on like one or two tracks at least of that album, and. Uh, it's basically the lineup you have as the Foo Fighters now with uh, Rami Jaffe, I think, was already part of the, the group by that point. <laughs> and, uh, but I love that, that whole album. Rope, Walk, uh, was it Bridge Burning or Burning Bridge, whatever that is, that, that's, a, that's a solid track. That whole album, man. They, uh... Released a documentary around that time too, where uh, Dave Grohl got the uh, the soundboard from the old uh, studio. I forgot what studio that is. I guess it's Sound City, because I think that's that's the name of the uh, documentary he put out. And uh, he put that shit in his garage, and they recorded analog off this board in his garage. And holy shit, I mean that. That whole album just sounds so fucking good. And there were so many albums that were recorded on that board. Um, I mean, big albums. And albums you wouldn't, you know, think that would <laughs> have anything to do with each other. Like, uh, I think there was... I know there was some Fleetwood Mac. It might have been... Rumors. I don't, I don't recall. But I want to say... Um... <clears throat> It was probably rumors. I mean, a lot of big fucking albums. Nirvana fucking recorded on there. Uh, and just a lot of big, big bands that would go on 
to uh, record on that, and he just took that shit and put it in his, I want to say his, like, his garage. And well, the, the uh, <clears throat> I think it, I think it worked out. <laughs> As, uh, I am curious. I want to say probably The Color and the Shape is their highest selling album, but I could be wrong, you know. It could be one of the later albums, but um I mean they've Let's see Foo Fighters. Here we go. I am curious. The greatest hits. Well, don't I I can't include that. <laughs> Of course, it does say in this article here that uh, they're the highest-selling rock band of all time. That's insane. I mean, they've been around forever, and they put out—they're about to put out their eleventh album. That's not—it's crazy, and it's not. It's hard for me to believe, though, because it's hard to believe that you know Dave Grohl's like sixty now. <laughs> I can't—I can't fathom that. I grew up with Dave Grohl, man. I grew up with fucking Dave Grohl. Uh, damn it! This article is not telling me. Uh, who's the most popular? That's subjective. Who's the most popular rock band? But if you're gonna go selling wise, that's a number that you can really. Uh, okay, it does sound. Don't don't tell me what your overall ranking is of this damn it people just tell me the numbers what what's sold more damn you uh this is well, this is best ever albums.com they have color in the shape which is ranked at 342 is their highest one on here but of course it doesn't have anything to do with like sales and shit which i would here we go best selling albums.org that might help me. That might. Their greatest hits. Is, can't really count that. Come on. Uh, the There is some awesome shit on that greatest hits album, though, that are not on any other, like, album. Um, Which has... Uh, it doesn't have the track listing on here. What the fuck kind of shit is this? But they have the acoustic version of Everlong. Which I think might be better than the original Everlong, which is it's hard uh, pains me to say. And then they have an awesome cover of uh, Paul McCartney. Well, I guess he put it out with Wings, but uh, Band on the Run. That fucking cover is so fucking good, so fucking good. And uh, I think there was a song on there too that was just released for the greatest hits as well. That was like an original. Uh, song that uh, wasn't on any other albums. Um, it was uh, The Wheels, I guess. I think that one's only on like The Greatest Hits, which is weird to put that on a Greatest Hits, a song that wasn't like out before. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess the cover too, you know. But uh, yeah, according to this, this is kind of surprising. The, the number two on here, besides their Greatest Hits, is the In Your Honor, which uh, sold 2,754,000, whereas, okay, yeah, uh, the color and the shape is behind that, man, uh, with 2.4 million, basically, almost 2.5. 
And then one by one's pretty close to it as well. Wasting lights is number six. I'm kind of surprised by that. Their original albums, uh, pretty far down the rankings there. I really, uh, I, I still think that uh, wasting light might be their, the crowning achievement. I mean, front to back, like listening to that whole album, which I rarely ever do. Well, now that I have the uh, record player, I mean, I listen to more albums. Like as a whole, which is like the one of the best parts about uh, listening to records, is you know, listening to the whole fucking album. Whereas a lot of times, you know, I listen to music just off my phone, and I'm not listening to albums. Although here lately, I, I have, on top of just the records, I guess I've been pulling up uh, albums on YouTube and just going through that. Uh, I went a long time there before getting the record player without listening to like albums, just listening to uh playlist basically on, sh- well, putting my iPhone on shuffle. Whereas, uh, man, I'm still kind of surprised. That, uh, I'm trying to remember what is all on uh, one by one. Uh, obviously the song one by one. Um, Which it isn't that any anyway. Uh I don't remember what all tracks were on there. I think All My Life is on there, which actually I think is one of their biggest songs. Let's see here. That's apparently uh <laughs> here we go. Foo Fighters. One by one. Uh just give me the whole track listing. Oh, times like these. Oh no, uh, shit. Well, that is really surprising me. Like, times like these, I guess, is the biggest song on there. They don't have. Oh, this doesn't have the whole track listing. What the fuck? All my life, yeah, all my life came out here. Like this is a. Oh, there we go. Tired of you, all my life. Times like these. Yeah, All My Life and Times Like These, those were probably the two biggest songs out there. So, uh, it's such a good fucking album, though. I don't know. It's not... I'd still say, though, Color and Shape and is uh, probably my number two. I'd go with number one being Wasting Light. That's just that's just me. And there's if you go on YouTube, you can watch them play the whole album on... Uh, there's two different uh, ones you can watch and play the whole album. One's on David Letterman, and uh, which is really good. And then there's a garage they're playing, I guess, in Dave Grohl's garage, and they play the whole album, and that's pretty fucking awesome too. And uh, I I definitely check that out if you're a fan of the Foo. As uh, oh. In my head, I still imagine Dave Grohl from like early two thousands to like maybe two thousand ten, and <laughs> seeing him now, I mean, he's he's looking. I'd say he still looks good for his age, but I mean, he's clearly getting older. As uh, it hurts my brain. It hurts my brain to see that. I picture Dave Grohl from the time that they did one by one, with like the all my life. As uh, I watched a lot of shit with uh, the Foo Fighters at that point. That's when I started to really 
I guess, get into them. I mean, when The Color and Shape came out, like the first album, and I was like, oh, man, it's, you know, I don't know. I felt almost <laughs> like uh, I, w- I was a big fan of Nirvana, and it seemed wrong to see D- Dave Grohl in another band, which, I mean, he's, you know, it's his, it's what he does. It's his passion. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I don't know why I wouldn't have that reaction early on. And for some reason, the uh, I'll Stick Around song was, it seemed like it was directed at Kurt, and it, it bothered me a bit. But then by the color and shape, once that came out, I mean, I, I was pretty much a fan of the Foo Fighters. And then, uh, oh, that that album. I mean, My my Hero, fucking Monkey Wrench, and uh, was it the Baker Street cover? That's a fucking solid cover. The Foo Fighters always done really solid covers, man. Uh oh, and shit! This one is like harder to find, but man, there's the uh, they did a, another sweet cover, which I guess they put out around that time of one by one. But if uh, Darling Nikki, holy shit, that's a good one. Um, or maybe that wasn't quite. It was an earlier one, but man, that color cover of uh, Darling Nikki, it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Learn to Fly, I think, might have been on uh, The Color and the Shape as well. Was, uh, shit was good. Very good. I hate this damn clickbait shit from the looking at these articles. <laughs> it's like, celebrities, you probably didn't know that died in the last couple of years. And... uh. I think I I knew this on some of them, but some I don't know who p- these people are. I don't know why I clicked on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I knew most of this. Fuck you. I almost I hate when articles do that because like, you, oh, you didn't know this. You didn't know. How do you know I don't know? <laughs> How do you know this, you bastards? Yeah, most of these people are not people that. Uh, I I either knew that th- this happened or uh what Oh, this isn't uh Oh, I, I was like I I that article disappeared. Something happened and I ended up on a different article showed Getty Lee. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Getty Lee's still alive. Damn you. <laughs> pretty sure uh he was at the uh fucking Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. Like, fuck you. What Danny Carey that I mentioned earlier. Anyway, I haven't even gotten into why this was like a crazy week. <laughs> Just started talking about Foo Fighters as I've been really uh, having fun playing some Foo Fighters. Um, Sunday, of course, the day after I, uh, or well, the day I released the last podcast. That's when I do my laundry. I'll uh, put the podcast up and everything while I'm doing my uh, laundry. And uh, thankfully, I got every load done but one. Which ended up being like my work pants, which you know, I'm a steel worker now. And uh, I get like metal shavings and shit on my clothes and like burns and stuff. And a lot of stuff that's really not good for washing machines. <laughs> and uh, I was washing the, the pants last, which I, I usually do that. And... Uh, before I wash them, actually, uh, I'll get a uh, bucket, and I will put uh, white vinegar in there and uh, laundry detergent and fill it with water and then, like, soak the pants for hours. 
to uh, help get that shit out of there. And then I'll uh, rinse it off in the bathtub, so hopefully my washer doesn't get too fucked up from all the uh, metal shavings and everything. Which I could, I could get pants through work and like pay a couple of dollars each week to get them laundered and stuff. But I don't know. I I couldn't do that until I was three months in, which I, I passed that now. I'm almost six months. But I got used to the specific Wranglers I get from Walmart that uh, I really like those pants. And I'm a creature of habit, <laughs> and I can get those pants to typically last like three months. Uh, I'm on, I just bought my third pair, as I'll get into why I did that. I wasn't planning on buying any of the pairs just yet. Um... <clears throat> But uh, once I, I, I get, uh, they've been soaking for a few hours inside the bucket, and, rin- and then I, of course, rinse them off, and then I'll do, like, t- wash them in the washer, like, two different lo- uh, times, as uh, the first time I just throw some vinegar in with it, and then the second load I throw the detergent in, and then I throw the a uh, little bit more vinegar <laughs> in the uh, fabric softener thing. And that usually does a pretty decent job of cleaning the things. And then, uh, yeah, then I dry it. But uh, last Sunday, man, goddamn washer wouldn't drain after (laughs) the last time I did it. And I was like, it was late at night. It was like fucking 9 o'clock. And, uh, you know, I had to work the next morning. I'm like, well, I need a pair of pants to uh, work in. So I fucking drove to Walmart and got another pair, which thankfully they were on clearance. Uh, like, uh, almost half off what they normally are. Unfortunately, they only had one pair in my size. Had they had two, I would have just bought two. I've been like, fuck yeah. Now I got, I'm good on pants for quite a while. They, uh, they were low on it, I guess. Cause you know, the weather's getting warmer. They're not selling as much pants, but they're work pants. You think that people would need work pants all year round as uh, doing jobs like I do. Cause they're, uh, I guess considered carpenter pants. The ones I get, which they're, uh, some thick, thick, heavy duty pants, uh, which is kind of why I like them. I, the ones I know I can get from work. Um, I'm not as big of a fan of those. And, uh, these particular ones, well, one reason I really like them, they got a lot of pockets, <laughs> and I use all the pockets. And uh, I don't think the ones that work provides as many pockets. Anywho, so I get the other pants. I go uh, <laughs> back home. I was able to finally get the washer to drain. I figured it was the pump. The pump probably got clogged uh, from running all that shit through there. And uh, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm probably going to buy another pump. But I was able to, like, fuck with it and then eventually get it to drain. But uh, the the next day, on Monday, I opened up the washer to see what I was dealing with. I watched some YouTube videos on how to uh, remove the pump. I found what pump I need, and then I ordered it off Amazon. It was only, like, a little over $40. Not too bad. It's a lot cheaper than replacing a fucking washer, which you can't afford to do. Um not, and I really don't want to buy a new washer if I'm going to, you know, as long as I'm working there because I don't want to fucking destroy a good washer. <laughs> this washer was free. <laughs> so I'm really getting my money's worth out of that. And, uh, I, uh, I, yeah, I, 
I was able to get the thing to drain, and it, it was working like normal. I ended up wa- rewashing the pants, the old pants that I had, and it worked. I haven't tried it since that day. But anyway, Monday, when I took it apart, um, I went ahead and left my toolbox out by the washer because I figured once I get the pump, I'd good chance I'm going to have to change it out. I don't, even though I got the one load to go, I feel like it's probably <laughs> going to be any moment I'm just going to have to replace that pump. And so I left the toolbox next to the washer. I thought I pushed it out. Of the, I had the thought, like, you know what? In the morning time, I walk through here with the lights off to go to the bathroom. And uh, I should probably, you know, maybe move this in a strategic area to where I'm not going to fucking trip over it. And I thought I was good. And uh, sure as shit, I get up the next morning on Tuesday morning and uh, I fucking hit my shin as hard as I possibly could, I think, <laughs> on that toolbox. It's a good size fucking toolbox. And, uh, Solid toolbox. A lot of weight to it, too. Like, there was no, like, hitting it and moving the damn thing. Like, there is some very heavy tools inside that toolbox. I hit it, and I hit the fucking ground. Like, I <laughs> I bashed up my shin really well, took a layer of skin off it, and then uh, I fucked up my knee. Like, my right shin is what hit the toolbox initially. And then, like, I f- when I hit the ground... I like hit like both elbows and like I probably freaked the shit out of my neighbors. I'm sure it was loud. And uh I <laughs> I hit the ground. I mean, I immediately hit the ground. There was not a good way to start the day. As of course I had to go to work right after that. Um but uh I fucking yeah, I took some skin off both elbows. Um my left knee, I think, has got a good chunk of skin off of it. Like, <laughs> I don't think I fucked that shin up at all. But my my right shin's got a fuck ton of skin off of it. Like, I basically got road rash. Um, not a severe case of road rash because obviously I didn't hit asphalt and uh, you know slide. But I it was almost like a road rash sort of situation. You can see on the toolbox where my shin hit and like the layer of skin that came off on it. It's still up there. <laughs> It's a toolbox. I didn't bother to clean it off. Uh, but that, yeah, that woke me up. That's for sure. So I had a little bit of adrenaline going there. And uh, I was in pain. That really fucked me up having to work after that. I was just like, I was in, I was real sore that fucking day. All goddamn day. And then to top it off, you know, I was dealing with that. And it's hard to sleep because I was fucking injured. So I started taking Benadryl like several days this week. I took Benadryl to help me pass out. And then uh, I guess Wednesday night, I was like, you know, I I didn't really want to take Benadryl again. I was like, let's just try to get to sleep. But it was getting late, and I was like, I was having a hard time sleeping, so I took it again. It was like past 11. And I did get up uh, to feed the cat, and I made my breakfast and – well, ate my breakfast, made it, and then uh, made my lunch and got it all all good to go. And then uh, after that, it was no good. I <laughs> I laid back down. Like, I, I normally do this. I laid back down to uh, just get a little bit more shut-eye before uh, going out, getting all my, my clothes on and everything, my boots on, and going to work. 
And I must have shut off every alarm I had set because I'll set multiple alarms on my phone. And I was so drugged out from the Benadryl, which I I should have known when I first got up that morning. I, I felt all drugged out. I should have known it was dangerous to go back to sleep. I should have started pounding the monster <laughs> when I was getting my breakfast so I could have combated the uh, the drugged out feeling. But no, I did not do that. I uh, <laughs> I resisted, and then uh, <laughs> I I woke up again with like seven minutes to get to work. Now, n- on a regular day, when I drive to work, I live like I don't know, maybe two miles from work. It's it's not very far. All the roads I drive on. Like the speed limit's like thirty. You know that's that's as fast as uh, as you're supposed to go. <laughs> and typically, it takes me a good six to seven minutes to drive to work, obeying the traffic laws, stopping at the stop signs, that sort of thing. And I, you know, I got a whole routine, and then I get in, I sit in my car for a little bit before going in because I like to. Uh, I got to cover my face with the. Uh, sunscreen and everything so I don't burn well when I woke up and there was only seven minutes to go <laughs> I was like oh fuck me I didn't have my clothes on man I had uh I had a shirt and like uh underwear on but I didn't have my pants on yet I didn't have my boots on my socks and uh so I managed to throw my watch on just so because I knew I had to watch the time like <laughs> closely <laughs> To make sure I got to work on time, I was like, I'm going to fucking make it there. And also, I the, I get a bonus for, like, perfect attendance and everything. I, I'm the one that I don't want like to be late to work anyway. But I, So I already would have had adrenaline going there. But I also don't want to risk losing my perfect attendance, which I could get a $500 bonus for that come July if I make it through June having perfect attendance. And uh, so I don't want to screw that up. <laughs> and... uh so, I, uh, I mean, I did the very minute things, like the only the things I had to do when leaving. I left my phone at home, which I haven't done in years. When I went to work, I I left my phone at home, which made break time real real sucky, because I didn't have the ability to watch YouTube videos on break time. But uh, I and I just felt naked without the damn phone. But thankfully, I did grab the watch so I could at least fucking because uh, I like knowing what time it is. And uh, it did help me get to work on time. As uh, yeah, I almost forgot to grab my lunch too. But I managed to grab my lunch. I put my boots on and I didn't even like uh, tuck them into my pants that I normally do. I was like, uh, I barely got everything on. I mean, I I moved so damn fast and normally. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll let the cat sleep with me in the bedroom and all. But uh, if one, when I leave for work, I typically uh, make sure he's out of the room and close the door so he doesn't tear up the couch more than he already has. I mean, if he didn't do that, I wouldn't give a shit. I'd just fucking leave the door open all the time. But uh, as it is, he yeah, he really tears that fucker up. So I left. The cat had a field day, and he did tear it up a lot more that day, fun fact, when I got home. But man, once I got in the car, I, dude, it was balls to the wall. I, and it was silent because I, I normally play 
podcasts off my phone. I hook my phone up to the car, and I either listen to podcasts or music through the phone. And I didn't even bother turning the radio on because that's another thing I would have had to, you know, focus on and just like, fuck it, just fucking go. Just get there. I'm like staring at my watch half the time to make sure that I've got plenty of time to get there. I was like, because I didn't know. I didn't know if I'd be able to make it. I felt pretty confident if I just fucking go, go as fast as I basically could that I could make it there and clock in on time. And uh, I went like 40 or something. I, you know, maybe I shouldn't be announced, you know, admitting this <laughs> a recorded statement. I don't think anybody can uh, post haste, give me a speeding ticket or would, but um, I went down high street, which is, you know, 30 through there. And I went like 40 plus down high street. And then once I got to uh, the riverfront and started going up the street that I take to uh, get to my job. I went like 50 to 60 miles an hour down that that street. There was moments, like going over hills, I'm not fucking psychotic. I'm going to slow down a little bit while going over a hill. I'm not, you know, especially if it's a 30. You don't want to, I know there's people that like to walk in the mornings too. I don't want to fucking kill somebody. So, you know, I slowed down a little bit for like going over hills. For the most part, uh, if I could see for a good distance in front of me, I was going like 50 to 60 miles an hour. And I got in the parking lot, and, like, I didn't put any sunscreen on or anything. Man, I, uh, I got, I had my helmet and everything ready to roll. I, uh, I got, I got in there so fucking fast. And, uh, when I clocked in, at the most, I had, like, 10 seconds left before the bell went off. And, uh, but, but I made it on time. I made it on time. I didn't kill anybody with my car, and thankfully there was, like, no traffic. But as it turns out, if you wait till you're almost late to go to drive to work, there's, like, nobody there. There's nobody on that road. Normally there's a lot more people because, like, when I go, it's, like, a lot more reasonable time to be driving to work. <laughs> and there's a lot of traffic because there's, you know, other people I work with and a lot of other factories around there that are starting at the same time. But that morning, that was, I tell you what, though, that was Thursday morning. I did that, and, man, my adrenaline was going through the first couple of hours at work. <laughs> Made working a lot easier. And I didn't feel drugged out anymore because of that. And uh, I still took a, a monster with me for work, and I, I ended up down in, like, the whole thing at first break. And so I was like, boom, boom, boom. I am fucking ready to work. And because I was almost late, too, I felt like I had to make up for it. Like, the <laughs> even though I wasn't, I fucking clocked in at the right time. And uh, whew, it was it was crazy, man. Crazy. And uh, I got to make sure that I don't take Benadryl that late at night again. That was fucking retarded. <laughs> But I figured, though, too, taking it, it was like, I had taken it the night before. And I felt a little drugged out in the next morning. But usually if I take it consecutive days, I won't feel drugged out. Uh, my body will adjust to it. But for whatever reason, it didn't work out that way this week. <laughs> felt like I got plenty of rest that night, though. So it worked out. It worked out in the end. <laughs> And again, no one, no one was killed. I didn't run anybody over with my car. Uh, I'm gonna try not to do that again. As uh, 
it's probably for the best. I would like to uh, talk about two uh, unrelated note. I just uh, this this week I binged watch uh, the Netflix show Beef, which is uh, came out like a week ago or so. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it's got uh, Stephen Yoon from uh, The Walking Dead. He was uh, Glenn. He, he, of course, was the one that got his head smashed in by Lucille. That is uh, Negan's bat and his eye popped out. And uh, he, uh, I believe he's originally Korean. Uh, as the, the show f- uh, focuses around... These characters that uh, I don't know if they're all Korean, but uh, uh, like like uh, mainly Asian people. Like it, it's not uh, cause like uh, yeah, I don't, Ali Wong is in there as well. It's basically around two characters, Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong, which are phenomenal in it. And Ali Wong, she's a stand-up comedian. I know she has had at least one Netflix special um, where she was, like, very pregnant for the fun fact. And that's that's the reason why I remember special. But holy shit, they're fucking amazing in this show. And uh, the whole premise of this show is, uh, like, they got, uh, you know, del- delves into both of their, like, Asian, like, families and stuff and, like, the, I guess... <coughs> a little bit of the culture there. But the 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 real premise behind it though is, is not so much about them being Asian or anything. It's got more to do with uh <laughs> this road rage incident that uh Steven Yoon is uh trying to take back these uh and he had like these gas grills or something like that. He's uh trying to take back in the uh first episode to the store and he doesn't have the receipt and he's all pissed off from that. He's they won't take it back without the receipt. And then uh, he goes to drive out of there and Ali Wong, like, cuts him off and just, like, fucking uh, won't let him get out of this parking spot or something like that. And fucking she flips him off and he's, oh, he's fucking pissed. So he's, like, road rages and, uh, like, fucking tracks her down, like, fouls for quite a while. And, like, she tries to run into him at one point. It gets pretty fucking crazy. They're both, like, pretty fucking crazy. (laughs) And then, like, the rest of the show, it's a beef between these two. And they both completely try to fuck each other over. And uh, the show gets really dark in the end. It's it's a good show, though. And they were both, like, phenomenal. And, I mean, the the cast in general is uh, pretty solid. Um, I mean, man, it is... (laughs) <laughs> it gets dark though at the end like it's not so i mean it's kind of a dark premise anyway but i mean it like the i wasn't expecting it to go quite as dark as it did in the end unfortunately though one of the actors um as it turns out has uh let's see here Put out, uh, he was on a podcast, uh, what is his name here? Do-do-do. Oh, now they're saying it's fabricated. Uh, one of the, the guys in it, his name is David Cho. 
says uh, he recently came under fire for a 2014 podcast interview uh, where he had joked about being a successful rapist during a massage. So I guess it's a joke. I initially heard it wasn't a joke that basically raped a woman. But now it's apparently it was a joke. Um, which is much better. The <laughs> not great, I guess, to make a rape joke. But uh, it says on Friday, beef creator Lee Sung Jin and executive producers and stars Steven Yeun and Ali Wong released a statement on Two Variety calling Cho's story undeniably hurtful and extremely disturbing, but that he's put in the work to get the mental uh, health support he needed. The story David Cho fabricated nine years ago is undeniably hurtful and extremely disturbing. We do not condone this story in any way, and we understand why this has been so upsetting and triggering. We're aware David has apologized in the past for making up this horrific story. We've seen him put in the work to get the mental health support he needed over the last decade to better himself and learn from his mistakes, they said. Uh, okay, now it's getting to the story. I was curious because I didn't know what the actual story was he told. Um, it says here in, in, in resurfaced clips, but I think it works out anyway, even if like he's like a monster of a person. Uh, his character's not not a likable one anyway. He's a dark character, so. <laughs> um, but here it gets into what I guess happened in this story. In resurfaced clips of the 2014 DVDASA podcast episode. Um. Fuck is DVDSA? I don't know what that that is. Uh, anyway, uh, Cho told co-host Asa Akira a sexually explicit story about a massage he received from a massage therapist he calls Rose. I'm getting turned on just telling this story. He said in the footage, "I just take her hand and I put it on my dick. She just holds it there." Uh, Cho detailed numerous sexual acts and ended the story by saying. The thrill of possibly going to jail, that's what achieved the erection quest. Akira replied, ooh, you're basically telling us that you're a rapist now and that the only way to get your dick really hard is rape. Cho responded, yeah, then answered other guest questions about Rose's appearance. What the fuck is wrong with you guys, Akira asked. Who cares what she looks like? Dave is telling us he's a rapist. He joked in response, a successful rapist. Uh, Cho originally responded to the backlash in 2014, denying he was a rapist in a statement and saying that the podcast was a complete extension of his art as a storyteller. I feel like this this may or may not be true. Uh, I never thought I'd wake up one late afternoon and hear myself called a rapist. It sucks, especially because I'm not one. I'm not a rapist. I hate rapists. I think rapists should be raped and murdered said at the time, I am an artist and a storyteller. I view my show DVDASA as a complete extension of my art. If I'm guilty of anything, it's bad storytelling in the style of douche. Just like many of my paintings are often misinterpreted, the same goes with my show. The main objective of all my podcasts is to challenge and provoke my friends and the co-stars on the show. We fuck with each other, entertain ourselves, and laugh at each other. I can understand this. Um, we, we've said some fucked up shit on this show. And as far as I know, you know, most of it was it wasn't real. <laughs> um, says so, uh, we fuck with each other, entertain ourselves, and laugh at each other. It's a dark, tasteless, completely ir- irreverent show where we fuck with everyone listening, but mostly ourselves. We create stories and tell tales. It's not a new show. It's not a representation of my uh, reality. It's not the place to come for reliable information about me or my life. 
It's my version of reality. It's art that sometimes offends people. I'm sorry if anyone believed that the stories were fact. They were not in a world full of horrible people. Thank God for us. Well, he doubled down on the apology and posted a statement in 2017 writing, I have zero history of sexual assault. I'm deeply sorry for any hurt I brought to anyone through my past words. He also revealed he had went through three years of recovery and rehab. Clips of the podcast resurfaced on Twitter last week, but some of them were removed with Digital Millennium Copyright Act notices that were filed seemingly by Cho himself under the David Young Cho Foundation. The DMCA notices called the Twitter videos copyright infringing media and asked for their immediate removal. Yeah. Oh, I guess uh, Beef released on April 6th, so I guess it's been a couple weeks now. Um, it's a good show, though. <laughs> As, uh, I, I mean, I guess guess it wasn't real. <laughs> but telling that story, like, why would you, even for, like, making shit up and just saying, uh, I don't know, that's, uh, that's a weird, that's a weird thing. To be tell you know, we've said fucked up shit on our podcast though, but I don't recall I don't recall anybody admitting to rape. <clears throat> and, or at least making up a rape incident and uh admitting it. There's there's been some <laughs> bad shit people admitted to. Uh <clears throat> that that was definitely sometimes real. That uh occasionally we used to have characters. I mean now it's just me and uh I don't know, I just fucking bullshit. I don't uh uh, not quite as exciting, I guess, as it once was. Um, but I can understand just like just saying stupid shit. You, you end up later like, ooh, yeah, yeah, probably shouldn't have said that. That was that was a wrong decision. Makes me think of uh, Doctor Disrespect. Of course, is uh, he started his career, I guess, on Twitch. If you're unfamiliar with Dr. Disrespect, but he's one of the biggest streamers uh, as far as like playing video games goes. Big time. He's big time. He's the two-time champ. He uh, was uh, two-time champ of the uh, Blockbuster Video Game Championships um, in like the 90s. (laughs) He was like rocking NBA Jam and stuff, but he's the two-time. He's the two-time. Very good gamer. He plays a lot of COD. A lot of COD. The Call of Duty. And uh, he's a solid gamer. He's not like the... I mean, he's the same age as me. He's like in his 40s now. And, of course, he got some flack several years back. He made the bad decision. He was at a some kind of a like video game exposition or something. There was some kind of big event. And he, he's always in character. as Dr. Disrespect. I can't... Off the top of my head, remember his real name. Um, but uh, he, uh, shit, fucking wrong his name here. Uh, <clears throat> oh, there's his Instagram. You know, I don't think I follow him on Instagram. As uh, <laughs> oh, here's a uh, how Mister Two Time. Oh, Guy Beam, Herschel Guy Beam the Fourth. Uh, quite the name as uh. Look, he's a he's a entertaining streamer. He's always in character as Doctor Disrespect. He's got the the mullet wig, rocking a stash, doing sunglasses 
and just uh <coughs> he's quite the guy in character there but he at this video game expo or whatever he went to he decided to do a bit where he's streaming live where they go into the bathroom and uh as it turns out that's against the law to record in a bathroom oh he's slightly younger than me he's not quite 42 he's 41 right now i'm 42 so i i'm a little bit older than the doc uh but uh damn he's a good looking dude too uh if you you take off the mullet wig he's just fucking jacked the guy is super jacked um anyway he uh he went in there and they're filming. He wasn't, you know, the thing is to not, you know, uh, it's not right, of course, to go film people while they're in the bathroom and, uh, <clears throat> you know, their junk or whatever. It's it's just, not, it's not good. It's not good for you to do. You get, it'll get you into some trouble. Well, he did that and he got himself into a little bit of trouble over that. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it wasn't career ending. However, he did get banned from Twitch, and no one is still, like, there's all these fucking rumors as to what happened there. And there has still not been anything to say what actually fucking happened there. Twitch has never announced what uh, what it was that uh, led to the Doc's ban. I never realized he had a big ass tattoo on his arm. Jeez, uh, <laughs> there's a video of playing golf. <laughs> uh, the doc. As I've heard all kinds of rumors as to what the ban happened to be. Um, but uh, yeah, the they they never fucking said what it was. Never said. And uh, damn you, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to sign into Instagram on my computer. Anyway. As, uh, yeah, that kind of relates to that, that podcast sort of situation with that actor. As, uh, the doc made a bad decision by, like, you know, he was recording. The whole bit was, like, he was recording himself, like, going in, like, the doc going in and having a piss. And, like, they didn't, like, film his dick or anything like that. But there were other people in the bathroom, and there were minors, I believe, in there. But, like, he wasn't filming them, like, going to the bathroom. It was just supposed to be funny, the doctor pissing. Um, it was just, like, to do with his character. And it was one of those things, apparently, like, he thought of, like, in the moment. It went, didn't really think it through real well. It was just like, oh, I need some fucking content. Like, he'll oh, fo- follow me into the bathroom, watch me piss. <laughs> and, yeah, it got him uh, in trouble. I think it got him banned from, like, the tournament and like or whatever the fuck was going on and like he got he may have gotten a like a weak ban or something from twitch I, I don't remember what came out of that and that was years before he got the permanent ban from twitch was, uh, he's doing better now i mean he's i mean he's not as making as much money i don't think as he was at the height of his twitch career but you know he's he's doing on the youtubes and uh still still rocking the cod and everything but before before the whole twitch ban i mean he had stuff he was doing stuff with activision like he was uh he was involved uh, with i think at least one if not multiple call of duties he was involved in the development of it and uh 
like he's uh i guess before becoming a twitch streamer and stuff like he was in i guess involved with coding and shit is uh if i if i'm remembering his backstory much but uh yeah, that just led me. I'm just going through different rabbit holes from people, you know, making not so great decisions in in, in the moment. <laughs> it, you know, it sucks when you like you do something with a couple of seconds or a minute, and you're like just one little bad decision. It can really fuck you. It can really fuck you. Next thing you know, you murder a whole family just because you know they they uh, looked at you wrong, and then uh, yeah, you're fucked. A minute before that, you know, things things were good. People enjoyed you, your company, and then, then you're a monster. Not saying I murdered any families. But I also did just watch the, uh, I don't know, the <laughs> I went down the other rabbit hole of, uh, I binged watched the whole thing within like a day, I think, the uh, Boston Marathon bombing, which I had forgotten, but the, I, originally when I was thinking about doing this show, this episode or whatever, I was going to talk a lot about that because... That hit me at a weird time. I was already doing the podcast at the time. We were a year into the podcast at that point. It's been 10 years now since the Boston bombing. And uh, my friend Amena actually just uh, ran Boston. I believe this second or third time she's ran Boston. Because um, Boston Marathon, of course, it's been it's the 10-year anniversary. Well, the Boston Marathon just happened. And... Uh, <clears throat> So they put out this documentary. It's a it's a decent documentary. Um, I was hoping it would be a little bit more, like maybe get. I feel like they didn't have a lot of information areas in areas, and uh, I don't. I just know a lot about it because like it was. Uh, I in 2013 is when I started really getting into running, and uh, then. Uh, I hadn't made the decision to um, run a marathon until quite a while after the Boston bombing. It was like that summer following that, because, of course, in, in April is when the Boston Marathon happens. And then uh, I want to say it was that summer I decided, you know what, in 2014, it was like summer or maybe even fall, I decided, I was, you know what, I'm going to fucking run a fucking marathon. And then... Uh, I took a year to really train for it. And uh, I may not have even really been running when the Boston bombing happened. But I I had ran briefly, like in my 20s, and I had always kind of liked running, and it was like, man, if I could just do th- it would be good to get into shape, just get involved in running. And then uh, <laughs> that when that bombing happened, though, like I was – I still had I I think cable television at the time, and uh, which has been probably <laughs> probably didn't have it much longer after that. I haven't had cable television in a very long time, and uh, I was you know glued to all the stories I could find on it, and uh, it was uh, it was pretty crazy you know watching all of that shit and uh, the whole manhunt. Thing and not knowing who did it and just seeing like the whole city of Boston on lockdown, just like a major city in the U.S., one of the biggest, completely locked down to find two guys. And uh, it was it was crazy. I remember watching just footage of people in Boston when one when they uh, 
were on the hunt and like seeing the people celebrate once they found uh Joe Hart and like the when uh which I, I guess is how you pronounce his name. Um and then uh the insaneness of like uh when uh he ran over his fucking brother cuz I mean it I mean it's it's a good documentary cuz it really get, covers in, you know, the whole uh the whole manhunt and stuff. I mean, it, I feel like they could have gone deeper. There's only like three episodes. But, I mean, the Boston Marathon's huge for the city of Boston. It's like the biggest event in fucking Boston. It's the oldest marathon, uh, at least in the U.S. Uh, maybe in the world. I'm not, uh, I don't recall. If this is, but it's like the most historic one and uh it's got you know big tradition to to get to the boston marathon you have to qualify for it or raise a ton of money uh i don't know that's a ton but you got to raise some money through charity you can do it that way most people that run it end up doing a qualifying marathon they have to get within a it depends on your age group and you know you have to hit the the do a marathon in a certain amount of time to be able to qualify to run the thing and it's like from what i understand you know, like the whole city of Boston comes out to watch the, watch the thing. Like all the businesses close. I mean, it's a very serious thing. The uh, I think the start and the finish line are permanently painted on the streets. I mean, it is it is the uh, shining example of like marathons. And uh, you know, when you if you get into like running long distance, even people that don't really know that much about running like a lot of the questions are if they've heard you've ran on a marathon like, have you done boston because it's it's the benchmark even though like the uh, new york marathon is actually harder to, i believe to uh, hit the qualifying times like boston's still that one that that people want to do when they they uh do marathons and uh but i yeah it was it was fucked up watching that initially and then uh <laughs> One of the craziest parts is, and they do have uh, some uh, footage, some video footage of uh, the incidents, like, uh, <coughs> of course, the bombing, and uh, and so I think there's some video footage, too, of uh, when uh, the police run into the two, which, I mean, the pl- the police response was, was a bit crazy. Like, it seems like the, a lot of their issues were bad communication. Like, uh, there was the Asian guy, I don't recall his name, but he was kidnapped by the two after they had already done the bombing and they had killed a a police officer, I I believe in Cambridge. And uh, then they commandeered this guy's vehicle, you know, took it, hijacked it. That's that's the term. They're not cops. They hijacked it and uh, took him with the vehicle and told him, hey, we're the Boston Bombers. And uh, I can't imagine what that would be like. The thought process would be like, yeah, you know, somebody told me that in the vehicle, like uh, knowing that that just happened and knowing how how many people were at the Boston bombing. I'm sure that guy was had at least watched some of the news, and there was at least one small child that died. There, I think there was maybe like two, or there was a couple of children that died. I think, and. Uh, Knowing how much they don't give a fuck about human life, my I'm sure my first thought would be, well, like, well, these motherfuckers are going to kill me. (laughs) 
I'm not getting out of this alive unless I maybe come up with some some intelligent things. Uh, you know, you know, just look for the perfect moment, which uh, thankfully he did. I mean, he was able to uh, get out when they went to a gas station and fucking run for his life. And uh, I I don't know how I would react to that. I think like I might try to. I guess try to joke around with them or something, you know, try to like do like a crazy eight in breaking bad where you try to like befriend them a little bit like, Oh, Hey, uh, so other than killing people, uh, what do you guys do? What do you <laughs> around here? Where do you, <laughs> you like to play golf? I don't know. Maybe try to pull some of that car salesman stuff. I learned in that one week I was a car salesman, you know, try to look for something. They're like, Oh, we can relate to each other. Like I hear you like crock pots. Um, I make up mean corned beef and cabbage. Uh, I've never put nails in them before. I've never, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, you know, maybe not lead with that, but, uh, you know, see if like, if what kind of clothing are they wearing? Like, is this some kind of sports team? I know, you know, in hindsight, I know Tamerlan was a boxer and stuff, but you know, if you could see something that suggests like, Oh, Hey, and then like, uh, you know, and ask them, it would be hard to segue though out of like, Hey, we're the Boston bombers. You're like, huh? I think, like, my initial response would probably be something like, well, I don't know how to reply to that. <laughs> like, uh, that is uh, that is something. That is, um, and maybe I could just, you know, try to convince them that I'm an asset to keep around. Because I know that they had planned, which they didn't get into, like, their plans of what they were doing afterwards and stuff. Like, there was, I feel like they they missed a lot of stuff, but through the years I really, you know, kind of read stories and stuff about that. Um, I never did watch the movie they put out, though. I never got around to that. Um, that being said, it because they were planning on going to New York, I believe, afterwards and bombing more shit. Which, you know, after the, I'm sure after the Boston bombing happened that New York, was, knowing its history with uh, terrorists uh, fucking shit up, of course, 9-11, and before that was like 10 years before that, or so, where they had bombed the Twin Towers, it just didn't really do much damage. And it's the... Like the, uh, it's just a hot spot for anybody that wants to do terrorist shit, is like New York. I'm sure as soon as the Boston bombing happened, like, the fucking New York police were on fucking high alert. And, uh, they would've... They would have had our time, like, going into New York uh, with some bombs and shit. Those motherfuckers aren't going to fuck around. <laughs> and uh, as it turns out, the Boston cops didn't want to fuck around either. Like, that, like I think probably the craziest part about that whole, like, fucking manhunt thing is when, of course, after uh, the guy escaped that had been uh, kidnapped from the hijacking, he escapes, he goes to the gas station, calls the cops, tells them that, hey, these guys tell me they're the fucking Boston Bombers. They've got my fucking vehicle. He tells them how to track this vehicle. <laughs> he told them the, the number and shit to track the vehicle, and that's how they found them. And nobody thought to tell the police officers that were going to pull these motherfuckers over that, hey, they're, we're pretty sure these are the Boston Bombers. Didn't inform of that, so, you know, they're expecting this just to be, like, a regular stolen car, some fucking teenagers doing some dick move shit. And then, uh, 
no, these motherfuckers got a gun and they're sitting around, you know, they've got a fuck ton of pipe bombs that uh, they just start tossing out at uh, the, uh, you know, the cops and shit. And then uh, when the cops start showing up, though, I mean, they are just fucking... The well, uh, Tamerlan, I guess, only had like a, a pistol, and then uh, Johar was like throwing pipe bombs like the whole time with this altercation that they had. And then these cops, there's houses all over, they're like in a subdivision, I believe, and just like they're just laying down rounds of ammunition. These cops are just fucking firing everywhere. And there was a, uh, at least one, uh, one father that had like an infant that the bullet a bullet from one of the guns like almost shot the infant while it was sleeping from what I understand. And, uh, no, surprisingly, no civilians were hurt in this like fucking shootout, but like they were unloading on these fuckers and, uh, which you can understand, but you, you would think that the cops would be a little more concerned about, you know, civilian life. But again, I guess if I'm getting fucking pipe bombs thrown at me, I'm, you know, maybe not going to be thinking quite clearly. Um, as uh, they actually had like a fucking crockpot bomb, too, that uh, threw out. And they said, like, would have fucking taken out some of these police had uh, he actually like set it on the ground instead. But he he ended up throwing it, which ended up making it just like blow up into the side of a car. And uh, so like the blast didn't have the effect as it would have had it been like placed. Um, but, uh, and then the craziest, probably the craziest part of that is then the cops actually got Tamerlan. Cause after he fucking unloaded the clip from the pistol he was using, he comes charging at the cops and he had already been shot. I believe, I think they said in that documentary like eight times or something ridiculous. And this guy, I mean, he was a, a boxer, like an amateur boxer. And he was almost in the Olympics, but uh, they wouldn't end up giving him uh, citizenship or something like that. So he couldn't, like, fight for the USA in the Olympics. But apparently he was, like, a really good boxer. And he had, after that, that's when, like, the he was like, fuck America, basically. When, when he could have just become a professional boxer and made, a, you know, a good fucking mon amount of money and... You know, eventually, it, and had he been, like, a good professional boxer, I'm sure they would have, like, you know what, we need to we need to give this guy his citizenship. But it was, you know, the a lot of it probably uh, did have to do with the uh, anti, you know, Muslim uh, sentiment via, you know, after being after 9-11. Uh, <clears throat> why he had troubles with all of that. Even still, you know, I mean, he could have, <laughs> you didn't have to go and blow up the Boston Marathon, you know? <clears throat> There's uh, two wrongs don't make a right. Anyway, um, he was shot like several times, but he was a big dude, you know, muscular, and uh, I'm sure super fucking pumped out on adrenaline at that point. And he was charging the cops at that point, and then they managed to get that fucker to the ground. And... uh when they had him to the ground, they're trying to subdue him. Next thing you know, uh, Johar is over there in the the fucking Mercedes SUV that they stole, and uh, 
drove straight at the fucking cops to hit him, and then the cops all got out of the way. His brother, who had, of course, been shot several times, he ran completely over the motherfucker. I guess he didn't realize it either, because I believe later on he had been asked about his brother, like if they had his brother and shit, but like I guess he didn't realize he killed his own brother. But he drove, fucking drove like 40 miles an hour or so, like over his brother, ran over him, and apparently he was drugged for a while. And then, uh, you know, if the guy didn't feel bad for killing the children, you'd think he would at least feel bad about the fact that he killed his brother because it seemed like that was the only person he really gave a shit about. <sighs> and, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, that whole, that is like the cra- the craziest part to me is like that whole showdown. And then, of course, when they finally found him, uh, Johar, in the in the boat, that the cops again they they fucking totally whiffed on finding him. They had blood all over this boat that he like hid in, and some they went from house to house. They had the whole city of Boston locked down. Somehow they couldn't find him, and he was like bleeding out in this fucking boat because he had, I guess, taken some shots from uh, the cops. Uh, he shot, I think maybe at least once, if not like a couple of times during that whole showdown with the police and he was bleeding in that fucking boat. And then, uh, <clears throat> he was unarmed as it turned out in the boat. I mean, there was no way for them to know that. I mean, he was throwing bombs and shit at the cops, you know, before, but, uh, apparently like there was of course miscommunication too, when they, uh, went to go get him out of that boat, like, uh, in the documentary, they talk quite a bit about that. And, uh, like one of the the lead guys was saying, like, "Hey, I don't, you know, want everybody down here. Let's try to do this quietly. Let's." <laughs> and then, just like every fucking cop in Boston showed up, <laughs> and they started fucking lighting that boat up. Um, I like they uh, well, at first I guess they threw in a was it a smoke grenade, and then like he he didn't respond to that, <laughs> and they threw in a flashbang. And uh, they thought that was going to ignite the thing, and they, it didn't end up igniting it. But uh, they ended up, uh, again, too, not worried about civilians <laughs> around. <laughs> they were more worried about, you know, I guess at that point, I mean, who knows what that guy's got. If he's got some really strong bomb there, we could fucking blow up, you know, a fucking city block or something. Who knows what the... Uh, I don't know I could really blame the guy's for you know being a little uh trigger happy there um but it, i mean it's it's crazy fucking thing going watching like the whole sequence of ve- events that happened in those few days i can't imagine living in boston at that point in time that's something else it i mean it's worth a watch that documentary but i i, I do wish there was like a little bit more involvement and i didn't even get into like talking about watching the last of the mandalorian I thought it was decent, but I don't think it was as strong as like the ending to like season two. Uh, though I we got a lot more Star Wars coming on like Ahsoka and stuff, so more more things to enjoy. Um, but uh, perhaps I'll get into the the Mando the next episode or something. Is uh, I've been going a little long tonight, <laughs> and uh, I yeah I guess I'll go ahead and wrap it up. Um. 
And that's really all all I've got for the moment. Uh, as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.